And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Adam McManus from theworldview.com, also with me on this edition. And one of our intentions of theworldview.com, the Worldview in 5 Minutes update that comes to your cell phone or comes to your computer on a daily basis, on weekdays, is to present a Christian view of the news and the issues that matter to Christians, not just in America, but all around the world. And... I would recommend that you sign up for theworldview.com. And we've been following the pink tide of socialism that is swallowing up South America. This is a very important development, and it certainly has resulted in the persecution of Christians, at least in Nicaragua. We covered this just recently. Daniel Ortega, of course, of the Sandinista fame, going all the way back to Oliver North, Ronald Reagan, and the opposition to the communists in Nicaragua in the mid-1980s. Well, the communists are back in South America. The communists are back in Nicaragua. They're back in Argentina. They're back in Chile. They're back in Peru. Um, the pink tide has risen in South America, Adam. And Daniel Ortega is shutting down churches. He's uh, shutting down radio stations controlled or somewhat operated by Protestant evangelicals. Police are preventing congregants from attending churches. Uh, you've covered this just this week. In fact, just several years before this, in 2018, there was such a violent crackdown on anti-Ortega Nicaraguan protests and a constriction of civil liberties. It led to a massive wave of emigration to neighboring Costa Rica, ultimately to Mexico, some coming as far as America. 30,000 Nicaraguans filed for asylum in Costa Rica alone. Not to mention all of them coming through Mexico up over our border. But that's because of the unrest that is happening in South America and Central America. Friends, Latin America has always been a target of the communists, the socialists, the anarchists, those who want revolution. And it's beginning to affect Brazil. Thousands of Bolsonaro supporters stormed the Brazilian capital on Sunday. This would have been their January 6th, kind of. January 6th light, perhaps, but it occurred on January 8th, uh, what, two years after our January 6th event. And uh, But this time, they demolished the facades of two of the three capital buildings, caused irreparable damage to priceless artifacts in the chambers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. There were definitely some similarities between both events, January 6th, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol and here recently at the Capitol in Brazil. About a thousand Bolsonaro supporters were arrested. In the U.S. Capitol, about 800 people were arrested. One of the big differences was Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran, was fatally shot by a Capitol police officer as she tried to breach the House chamber. Right. Right, good point. Somewhat of a difference there. And, you know, it was the last-ditch attempt to keep Brazil from tipping into Chinese communist vision for South America and the pink tide. That, that's the 2022 election. Uh, Bolsonaro lost by just a percent or two, not very much. And I think there has been a certain amount of doubt concerning the voting and uh, the voting machines used in Brazil as well as those used here in America. So, I think democracy is somewhat being challenged uh, in that 
there there is not enough honesty in government. Now, to say that about Brazil or to say that about Latin America is probably not going to be questioned. You know, to say there there is a lack of honesty, there's a lack of integrity amongst government officials in Latin America. I, I, the average person would say, yeah, okay. But the United States, maybe not so much. But my argument from the beginning has been, if American government and any other government in the world is going to break the Sixth Commandment and kill babies, the Seventh Commandment and encourage every form of sexual perversion, and the Eighth Commandment, redistributing wealth and all the rest, if they're going to break every other commandment, is it possible that they might break the Ninth Commandment and cheat on Election Day? And I would say, uh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. So as long as the nation is given way to complete violation of God's law at every possible opportunity, friends, uh, all bets are off for law and order in any given nation, including our own. Well, I know that 2,000 Mules, the movie by Dinesh D'Souza, has been out for a while, but I just watched it within the last two weeks and was horrified just a a thumbnail sketch of it is that it was clear that supporters of the democrat party had hired operatives or mules to get votes that had been somehow batched and banded by nonprofits, and then literally at these drop-off distribution points for drop-off ballots were dropping them off, you know, at five, ten different drop-off points, driving literally hundreds of miles in some of the key states. It's it's a very disturbing expose, and they have all of it tracked by cell phone, and there's also video footage at the places where they got the same people pulling up in cars or on bikes, stuffing these places, not just placing one ballot in, but dozens of ballots at a time and doing it throughout a given day to 10 different drop-off locations. The fact that Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook fame funded $450 million worth of supposed get-out-the-vote activity, but a lot of that was paying for the installation of these drop-off locations in key states, you know, it all just stinks to high heaven. I would strongly urge people to check out that movie. I think you can stream it online, 2,000 Mules, if you just go to DuckDuckGo. That's right, DuckDuckGo.com. <laughs> Friends, to say the least, suffice it to say that violation of God's law at every point in any given society will create unrest, a distrust of government, instability for governments, revolutions, and perhaps even blood on the streets. That's where we're headed, unless there's a reformation or a spiritual revival in any of these given nations. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. 
Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we are back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson here interacting with the uprisings, the revolutions, and the protests, whether it be on the left or right. And here's an interesting comment from Albert Moeller. He addressed the January 6th thing, the January 8th storming of the Brazilian capital. And I I thought his interaction was good. Uh, Interesting. He said uh, this. I'll just quote just a bit of this. Let me just quote a little piece of this. We do recognize that there are moments when the government's declared rightly to be illegitimate, and that leads to a political crisis. But we also need to recognize in a Christian biblical worldview that even at that moment when we declare a government to be illegitimate, we must do so taking full responsibility for what we say and acting consistently with what we declare to be the illegitimacy of that government. To put it another way, it's not enough to engage in some kind of weekend rebellion that ends up looking farcical, in which you storm government buildings with no plan for responsible government on the other side and making sure your Social Security check ends up in your bank. You actually aren't seriously declaring the government to be illegitimate at all. You're just airing your populist grievances. All right, so that's his comment on the January 6th and January 8th respective protests in Washington and Brazil. Now, I just interact with that just a little bit. Now, he did contrast the French Revolution, the American Revolution, and I think that's appropriate. There's two different revolutions going on there. One, of, I would argue, is a more of a war for independence, uh, not so much a revolution, but an already established government that uh, was rather offended at the attempt on the part of the Britain Parliament to, uh, to, to grab more power over the colonies. Well. Um, Protests like these, and and he rightly referred to these as protests, not really an effort to reestablish some new government. They're just protests. Protests, though, work for the left, but they don't work for the right. Only because, here, friends, the media is always controlled by the left. That's just the way zeitgeist works in America and most of the established nations, if not all the established nations today, for some reason, the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist, the humanist worldview, the, the leftist worldview, the progressive worldview, the anti-Christian worldview, the, the pro-socialist, pro-communist worldview always controls the media. They always do. That's the way it works. They own and control 90% of the media with an occasional Breitbart and Fox News. We did the analysis last week and found it's, it's somewhere between 90 and 92% of the media is controlled by ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, etc. It's always the left that controls the media. They get the 90%. And therefore, the protests, the leftist protests, are their stooges. The media gives all the coverage they possibly can to the 45 leftist protesters that show up to push their little liberal cause. They put it on the front page of the newspaper and they do the best they can to get popular support for it via their media outlets. The media always makes the protests of the right look stupid and farcical. 
Protests work for the left or the wrong side. They never work for the right side. The media always makes the protests of the left look wonderful. The persecuted minority, the more righteous cause, though perhaps the underdog for now. When the right steps over to the side of looking less law-abiding, they get smashed. When the left steps over to the side of looking less law-abiding, they get really good press. Look at the looting. Think about the gay pride marches. Think about Greenpeace. You know, do you ever get the leftist media showing Greenpeace to be what it really is, a terrorist type of organization? Not so much anymore. I mean, I realize that that's um, probably 15, 20 years ago. But now the gay pride marches are always given front page. They're always given support by the leftist media. Yeah, they give uh, the, that, the left they give out the times, the websites. always get support from the leftist media. Not to mention the uh, looting that went on, the burning of the cities, the hostility to the cops over the George Floyd incident. There was no negative coverage except if you happen to tune into Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity or Tucker right. Carlson. Yep. Yep. So there's another ex- example of it. And, but but if those were, you know, conservatives doing that sort of thing, burning down banks, burning down buildings, protesting, they'd be in jail like all of them. Every single person that showed up for a protest like that would would you know not have a single piece of support from the leftist media but friends let's just think about this for a moment when the mob is betraying an approach that indicates they are less principled less orderly less stable less likely to stand for god's truth and god's justice more than likely they will not add righteousness and order to the government you don't want that mob taking over the government. They will create the same level of chaos or worse than the current level of chaos that governs those nations. So that's the way we need to look at revolution. And just remember, there are two kinds of evil that press into our social systems today, communists and anarchists. And communists and anarchists are actually best friends. They get together, smoke cigars, and drink whiskey on the weekends together. They only act like they're enemies the rest of the week. And sitting in the hot tub, I would add. Right. Exactly. What a visual. And, 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 and why? And why? Because they're both committed to oppose God. That's why. There are serious anarchical elements that wander around uh, amongst conservatives. But anarchy is defined as preferring chaos, preferring no social rules, preferring no law except to be a law to oneself. Anarchy is man determining right and wrong for himself. The self turns himself into God. Communism is man determining right and wrong for himself as corporate man. The state turns into God. So anarchy turns himself into God. Communism turns the state into God. It's the difference between Ayn Rand and Karl Marx. They're both cut out of the same cloth. Man by nature is both the anarchist and the communist at the same time, whichever is the best way to offend God and set himself against God's law at any given point in time. So the mob from the right are often inspired by anarchists. The mob for the left are often inspired by communists. What Christians want is what? What do we want? We want a society governed by God's law as the most stable form of government. And that is what our founders pressed upon us at the forming of this nation. That is, a nation formed on self-government. Now, whether a monarchy or democracy, I don't think it matters that much. The question is whether or not we are formed on the principles of God's law. Now, the balance of power, I see, is usually preferred. 
But how we get there is not by revolution, but by reformation, by regeneration, by gospel preaching. When 90% or 97% of a society is made up of anarchists and communists, you're probably going to wind up with a pretty lousy government until the Christian church becomes more mature and until there's more discipleship of that nation. So without self-government, there can be no liberty. When the good guys or the conservatives are turning into a bunch of vandals, you can pretty much be sure that there isn't going to be much self-government going on. And South America needs discipleship, not just as we do. We, we need to be discipled as a nation. We, we need social structures that are formed in God's word, formed on the principles of God's law that works its way into the warp and the wolf. It works its way into the family, the, the, the church life of a nation. So I think what South America needs more than anything else right now is the discipleship of the nations. Its social structures are about the worst in the world. Argentina's inflation rate, by the way, at 93% year over year. I mean, you think 8% is bad. You try Argentina. How would you like to live there? But 80% of their kids are born out of wedlock. For us, it's about 40%. So they've got a social problem. They've got an economic problem called a socioeconomic problem. That's twice as bad as ours, at least. Inflation at 93%, and 80% of their kids born outside of wedlock. Latin America now is the region with the highest percentage of children born out of wedlock in Colombia. It's 84%. Argentina, Mexico, Chile, other countries throughout the region, similar numbers. And by the way, Brazil, there are 67 million mothers in Brazil. Out of the 67 million mothers, 31% are single moms. Okay, that's what is that? That's about half. Unbelievable. So here's 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 my assessment. So how in the world are we going to fix Brazil? I know. Let's mob the capital and burn down the buildings. I don't think so. That's not going to solve anything. It, sh- it should be obvious, right? Uh, our founders would say either you'll be governed by God or by God you'll be governed. In other words, either you you'll be governed by God's laws. Or by God's providential ordination, he will see to it that you will be governed. You'll be tyrannized to the ultimate degree. It's, it's, it's either self-government or tyranny. That's it. It's, it's either we learn how to govern ourselves, we have solid families, we have low fornication rates, or we will be tyrannized to the ultimate degree. And as I see it, Catholicism has done a rotten job at discipling South America. It's been counterproductive, man. Look at the difference between the two candidates in the Brazilian election, between Bolsonaro and his leftist opponent, Luis Lula. This is actually Lula's third term as president. He's 77 years old now. He won the 2002 Brazilian presidential election, and he was reelected in the 2006 Brazilian presidential election. But in 2017, Lula was convicted on charges of money laundering and corruption in a controversial trial, sentenced to nine and a half years in prison. He was finally arrested in April 2018 and spent 580 days in jail. I think it's revealing, as it was here, that uh, both conservatives lost the election, or at least officially lost the election. Yeah, the systems are probably somewhat dysfunctional. But what do you do? What do you do? Well, you've got to disciple the nation. You've got to disciple the nation. So, you know, as Christians, we, we readdress ourselves 
to family discipleship. We readdress ourselves to discipling within our churches. How does self-government come about? What is self-government? Self-government is to honor your parents. Don't commit fornication. Stay off pornography. Don't lie. Be honest and trade. Teach your children God's word as you sit in the house. But these things come apart in families when children refuse to honor their parents. They rebel. Teens don't listen to their parents. They go to college. They rebel even more. Men give in to sexual sin. So do women. How does a nation repent? How does a nation reverse course? How do families and individuals stop living lives of hypocrisy or lives of open sin? Either way, how does this happen? It happens through faith in Jesus Christ. It happens by the gospel. It happens by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit of God. It happens by the preaching of the gospel in churches. And you know what? This is what the Roman Catholics have failed to do. They water down God's law to something more doable. They water down God's grace. They water down the gospel. They, they've created a system of merit that doesn't bring about justification or sanctification. Either way, there's no power in the gospel message to transform these nations. The preaching and the discipleship and the apostles' doctrine has been displaced by rituals and saying the rosary and smells and bells and a synthesis with pagan practices in Mexico and Brazil and throughout South America. The gospel was stripped of its power to disciple nations and to transform nations as Jesus commanded us to do. And so what I'm saying is let's bring the gospel back. Let's bring back godly preaching, teaching, disciple the nations, dig in as churches, as families. And my encouragement to Brazilian families, vote for good candidates, absolutely. Vote for candidates to subscribe to the principles of God's laws. They don't steal, they don't cheat. They don't uh, steal for the rich and redistribute to the poor. They don't murder babies. The moral standard is not save the rainforest. The standard is privatize property and don't steal one another's property. The moral standard is not reduce the birth rate by killing babies. The moral standard is thou shalt not murder. So that's, that's where the current president has it wrong. But more importantly, uh, build godly families, godly churches uh, on faith and, and godly character and spend the next 10,000 hours discipling your children over the next 18 years as you walk by the way, as you rise up, as you lie down. I, I just think the same principle that applies to America applies to Mexico, Brazil, and every nation around the world. We're back to square one, my friends. It's disciple your children. Disciple the nations by discipling families. Start with your family. Disciple them in the word of God as you sit in the house, as you walk by the way, as you rise up, as you lie down. That's why we've put the book of Proverbs into various languages and, uh, and our Proverbs Bible study guides, which as I see it to be the core curriculum of what we present. Uh, start with our Bible study guides. Give your children a little bit of the book of Proverbs or the book of Psalms or Genesis or Matthew or John. We've got all these Bible study guides available at generation.org. You don't even have to buy all our curriculum. Just start with the core curriculum. Start with the discipleship manuals that we put together for these various books of the Bible. They're called Family Bible Study Guides, available at our website, generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Adam McManus, and we invite you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.